Hello, this is Tim Haig. Now, if any of my subjects might have overawed me, it was John Mortimer, a great writer and a great lawyer, and always unerringly on the side of the angels. I had admired Mortimer for his advocacy from the Austrial onwards, and I loved his creation of Horace Rumpole. But when I met him, far from being intimidating, he was charm itself. This interview is from 1995. Let's start talking um, about about Rumpole himself. He's, he's, he's a sort of barometer, isn't he? You, you use him for as a barometer of, of British life. Yes, of course. He, I mean, people would say he's rather old-fashioned. I don't think there are any barristers much like that anymore because they can't speak English and they all use computers. And you know, they're, 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 that colourful figure has rather gone out. So he is, but he is a sort of yardstick where with, with which to judge the. Uh, the failures and the despondencies of our days, I suppose. You, do, you, do you see him as a sort of, a, the, the, he's to the legal system what Yes Minister was to the political system? No, because, no, because he's good, Rumpo. I mean, he's, he's, he's a good barrister. I mean, he's very clever. He's also a good person. I mean, he's, uh, he's decent, you know, he's a standard of, of if he's decency. Such, if he's such a good barrister, why, why doesn't he earn he... more money? Yes, and why fact, isn't he a QC? Uh, he isn't a QC because he thinks that's a, a lot of us, you know, establishment nonsense. First, that's what he says. But the real reason he isn't a QC because he'd be too much trouble and he doesn't fit into the sort of uh, establishment view of things. But he should really earn more money. But the great tradition of those good people like Philip Marlowe is that they wear dirty old trench coats and walk down mean streets and have hard-hearted hard wives like Hilda Rumpel. So I've got to make him suffer, really. Oh, well, yeah, and, and you do. <laughs> yeah. Is there any part of um, John Mortimer letting off steam in, in Rumpel? Oh, yes. I mean, he says all the things that I want to say, and if I say them, they sound rather sort of trendy and left-wing and unacceptable. And if he says them, they sound rather crusty and Tory and, uh, you know, win the public over. So he's very useful in that do, way. Do people ever make the mistake of, uh, of confusing you with him? Oh, they do a lot. I mean, you know, I go to Australia and I go through the airport. They all say, good day, Rumpole. And uh, I had, a, I, had a, I defended an East End totter. On, you know, went round with a pony and trap and any old iron on a murder charge. And I was waiting with him in the cells for the jury to come back for a verdict. And he said... Uh, he said, oh, your Mr. Rumpo could have won this case. He said, I don't know why you couldn't, you know. So he's not altogether an unmixed blessing to me. What, what about um, Leo McKenna? I mean, he's not going to be able to go on forever, is no, he? No, he isn't, and I don't know whether we'll ever do any more televisions, but this, so this is a book. But, uh, I mean, he's inseparable in my mind. With uh, I was going to ask you that. Has Rumpel become more and more Leo McKern-like, as far as you're concerned? Because he certainly has, the rest of us, think of... of <laughs> well, I think visually, on... visually he is entirely Leo, but his picture is on... On the front of the book, on the front do, of the yeah. book. But he wasn't my first thought. I mean, when I wrote the very first Rumpel, which was in the mid-70s, for the BBC, I thought uh, Alistair Sim would be a very good Rumpel. And then I found that Alistair Sim was dead and couldn't take it on. So, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you can see that being an inhibition. Yeah, it was yeah. a bit of a, a bit of, bit of a drawback. <laughs> um, so I think then we thought of Leo, and he is—I mean—he's got everything that Rumpole is, you know. I think secretly because he's Australian, and Australians have got absolutely no respect for authority of any sort, which Rumpole hasn't. He's also a wonderful actor. Oh, he is a magnificent actor. Tell me about Rumpole's morals. I mean, he's, he, would he get innocent people off? He, he has the good fortune that whenever he, he comes up with a really brilliant defence, and especially in this book, it turns out that he's right. But suppose he could get somebody innocent off. Oh, yes. Well, that's, uh, that, that frequently happens if you believe in the British system of justice, which I do and which Rumpole does. 
Because a British trial is not an exercise in finding out the truth. It's an exercise in finding out whether the prosecution have proved guilt beyond reasonable doubt. And there are many cases, and I think probably O.J. Simpson is one of them, in which someone may very well be guilty, but the prosecution evidence isn't, isn't sufficient to convict them. And if you're a defending barrister, you're never trying to prove your client's innocent. What you're trying to do is to say to the jury, are you absolutely certain on this evidence that they have to be guilty? So in those circumstances, many innocent people, many guilty people may be acquitted. But that, as even Lord Goddard, who was an old hanging judge, said, is much preferable to the idea of innocent people being put in prison. As opposed to what Henry Root said, which is better that ten innocent men should hang than that one guilty man should go free. Absolutely, and these new, new breed of conservatives who are in favour of the death penalty say, no, I don't mind innocent people being hanged at all, you know. So Rumpel would have been happy to defend O.J. Simpson? Oh, yes, he would. I think he'd have done it a bit more quickly, too. But I was terribly, <laughs> terribly honoured that, uh, that Rumpel was quoted in the O.J. Simpson trial. And, uh, and one of the defence barristers said to Judge Ito, he said, as Mr. Rumpel says, uh, we seem to be getting a case of premature adjudication, which is something that Rumpel does say. So I thought that was very, uh, one, well, plus for the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh, I thought so too. In, in one of these stories, in Rumpel and the Way Through the Woods, he actually talks about his beliefs, doesn't he? Somebody says, uh, do, do you have any genuine beliefs? And uh, I think Rumpel says, as few as possible, genuine <laughs> beliefs get threat, death threats. And, <laughs> and, but the, the one is that, uh, that he has to prevent the conviction of innocent people. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something which people are, are losing sight of, you know, really, is that... Uh, very important that innocent people shouldn't be locked into prison. And therefore, it's very, very important that, uh, that you don't have a death penalty because you can never put it right. Well, as would have been the case in several with, with, with the, with miscarriages. The ARA, of... Yes, and, and you know, the judge said, you know, I wish you could all be hanged. And if they had been, you would have had a terrible miscarriage of justice. Rumpel never prosecutes. No, um, I... I didn't prosecute, but then I didn't used to do crime until I was accused. I did prosecute in one case. I prosecuted the railway police for the for the ticket collectors union. <laughs> and what used to happen was that the railway police had a rather obnoxious habit of chaining Jamaican ticket collectors to the railings and uh, <laughs> <laughs> rushing around in cowboy boots, bullying them. And of course, when I was prosecuting these railway policemen, all my defending instincts came to the fore, and they all got off. So I, I didn't. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I didn't try it again. I love the Timpsons, this family that, that yeah. Rumpel's always defending. <laughs> I mean, he, seems all, he sees all of human life, doesn't he? He does. and I'm, Yes, exactly. And that's, that's the, the thing about being, a, 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 particularly in criminal law, you know, you, you have lunch with the judges and tea with the murderer and, <laughs> and then uh, have a drink in the pub with the Timpsons. And, I mean, I think what Rumpel realised is that the good, honest, <clears throat> what they call ODC, you know, which is ordinary decent crime, uh, you know, keeps the whole system going. And yes, because uh, Rumpel doesn't dislike the Timpsons, oh, does he? Oh, not at all. No, I mean, and, and all the all the beef and uh, and Pomeroy's plonk in Gloucester Road, you know, is dependent on the efforts of the Timpsons. Because if they didn't commit any crimes, there wouldn't be any barristers or any judges, or there wouldn't be Michael Howard, which might be a benefit to the human race. But there you oh, go. <laughs> say not such a thing. The great and good Michael Howard. Yeah. You've broken the mould in this book of stories as well, as everybody has pointed out, by having um, Hilda narrate a story. Well, I know. And I found that there is a, is a Jeeves story, which is told by Jeeves instead of Bertie Wooster. It's not a terribly good one, but at least it's interesting. So I thought, well, 
maybe there should be a story told by Hilda. And I've become very fond of Hilda, you know, and, and uh, in the Rumpole Society in, in San Francisco, they have Hilda Rumpole lookalike contest. <laughs> she's become a sort of icon. <laughs> and, uh, so I thought she should say what she thought it's of like having a Nora Batty lookalike society. <laughs> who'd, who'd want to enter? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> But she's quite keen on sex, Hilda, really. Well, she? that's right. Un, un, <laughs> unsuspected depths of passion and she, currents yeah. oh, in, exactly. in Hilda, which uh, come to the fore in this in, in, in this sort of brief encounterish uh, story of hers. Yes, that's right. And well, call her Rumpel, you know, I mean, his his experience of sex wouldn't fill one lot wet weekend, really, in Western Supermare, but, you know, Hilda's quite keen on it. They have a son. Much. They have a son. You've, you've... They do. I've rather forgotten <laughs> They did have a son. He went off to America to teach and... I never find his character enormously interesting. Ah, but it's useful, isn't it? Because it, it yeah. makes it clear that Rumpel is not a virgin, even if he's not interested in sex. This is true. And he, and he has been in love. He has sort of had people he's rather fancied. There's a, a rare moment in the last story, in uh, Rumpel and the Angel of Death, which is, of course, the, the, uh, right. the title story here, in which uh, Rumpel actually hates his job and, and, and minds that he's, he's nailed uh, one of the witnesses and, and forced her to confess. And, yes. um, you know, that, that's, that's very unusual for Rumpole. I mean, he, he, it's as though he's getting tired. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, sort of humanity takes over in our <laughs> declining years. Um, yes, I think, I suppose when you're young, the sort of rough and tumble and cutthroat and all that is very, very exciting. And it still remains exciting to him. But I, yes, I think it's quite nice that it's like Shakespeare's last plays, a sort of general benevolence can take over. Will you ever tire of Rumpole? I don't know. I mean, I've written, that's just about the 10th Rumpole book. Um, but he is, I think the reason why he keeps alive for me is that you can address all the problems like fox hunting, which people get so emotional about, you know. Uh, like selling stories to the newspapers. Or euthanasia. I mean, euthanasia, all these things are covered yes, in are, are, all, are all happening so that while... Wildlife is throwing up these uh, these ridiculous controversies. Uh, I think that there's always a use for Rumpel.